Extraordinary Unplugged, a podcast for people looking to create bigger, braver, more meaningful lives, people who are prepared to do what it takes to make it happen. I've been working through a lot of stuff to do with eating, control, how I feel, how I look, comparing myself to others. And I'd like to learn if there's, if there's another way to be. I'm Elka Edwards. I'm founder of Ivy House and this week I talked with Laura. Laura is one of the most creative people I have ever met. She has a very successful career as a marketing director. But for a long time, Laura has had a really unhealthy relationship with food and her appearance. So I just want to start with a bit of context in terms of you're 32, am I right? That's right I always yeah. forget your age. <laughs> you're 32. Um, you're the marketing director of Ivy House, which is a really big job, a really important job. So I think you've done incredibly well for your age. But you didn't really take a direct route to become a marketing director. Did you just give us briefly a sort of journey how how did you get from your a levels to where you are now so i think i probably didn't know the world of marketing existed when i was picking my a levels the thing i always knew was i was good at art i was creative i loved anything creative so painting drawing being out in the world looking at films and musicals and spending time in galleries so that was always the thing for me so i always knew i wanted to be in a creative world but the other thing i loved was working with kids so probably for as long can as i, I can just, remember did you know that when you were 18 that you like working with kids oh uh, yeah you I'd did always oh, know interesting it. so okay. i'd always said from being really really small actually you know when your parents say what do you want to be when you grow up i always said to be a teacher i didn't know what that meant so i didn't know if that meant a, a traditional teacher teaching in a school or working with kids kind of outside of school so I tried loads of different things so I started off as a teaching assistant I then worked in summer schools I then um, launched my own business teaching kids so what I loved was I saw a lot of kids who lacked confidence who if you put them in the right environment could absolutely shine and I loved that so actually the more I, I worked in schools and worked as a TA that wasn't the thing for me. I kept going, maybe being a teacher isn't right, but maybe working working with kids in some capacity, that's what I need to do. So when did you go to university? How old were you? So I was 20 when I went to university. Oh, so you took a couple of years out. I took a year out to do a foundation okay. degree. So um, I did quite a lot of teaching when I was doing that. I did my first year at university and then set up my business. So, so you went and did a degree in costume design. Yeah. You then, I know, went back to working with schools. Well, not so much with schools, but with children. Yeah. When did the crossover to marketing happen? So I uh, worked for a company that taught kids maths and English, which was never really the plan. I wasn't particularly passionate about either subject. But what I loved is we helped kids with their confidence. So I had a real issue with kids identifying as not very good at something from a really young age and that's the bit that I love soon it starts it was quite scary actually yeah and I love talking to people about what we did because we made a real difference to kids lives and to parents lives and so that idea of kind of speaking to people and building a brand and telling a story and being passionate about what you do meant I kind of fell into marketing so I'd never set out to do it I think it kind of brings all my passions together so it's what I love it's kind of creativity it's storytelling it's writing it's film it's lots of different things um so yeah I, I absolutely love what I do I guess on on the face of it in lots of ways I've kind of had the perfect life 
and then the reality is the the kind of other side the the personal side of stuff which for a really long time probably for as long as I can remember I've been working through a lot of stuff to do with eating control how I feel how I look comparing myself to others I'm going to just take you back for a moment can you just give us a bit of context you say you've had a bad relationship with food for for a very long time and I I believe that got quite dangerous at some point Mm -hmm. just give us a little bit of context so um from a very young age I I remember being worried about what I could wear because I didn't feel like I looked like my friends I didn't feel comfortable in what I wore I was very self-conscious a series of events had happened in my life and for me it was all about control and I felt at that point that the one thing that was certain in my life was to do with me controlling my eating and at times kind of yo-yoed between not eating huge amounts and eating normally and then when I was kind of early to mid-20s it became quite bad so from something that I did occasionally it became like an absolute obsession so it in a very short period of time got very bad so I suddenly decided that I had a goal weight I wanted to get to so I had that figure in my head which was which was seven stones and um obsessively exercised so I would I exercised five times a day every single day mm. I had a, a thing in my head it had to be three different types of exercise so I would run three times a day and then do two other types of exercise I decided the quickest way to get to my goal weight was to have two days where I wouldn't eat anything a third day where I would eat some melon <laughs> and I lost about three stone in about two and a half months so what I'm noticing is you're telling this story is you sort of have a smile on your face yeah what's that smile because saying it out loud it it feels ridiculous and at the time felt really sensible really logical yeah um and when you say it out loud to other people you kind of hear it with a real lens you you see Mm. that it's not not normal Mm. i would say so what's fascinating about laura is anyone looking at her from the outside in would see somebody that was vibrant young beautiful has an incredibly successful career, has very recently got married and bought a house. And what we're hearing is the inside story is very different. Now, clearly I'm looking at you now, you're clearly not in that place. But as I understand it, this this idea of needing to control things or being very conscious of how you look, um, your weight, all of that kind of thing is still, mm. still there for you. So. Mm. Um, I guess my question is, is what what's your challenge right now? So I guess having spent so much time in that place of, of, and at times being in a really dark place actually with it, not seeing that there could be any other way to be, I'm not there anymore. But what I am conscious of is I still do a lot of the same behavior. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how I look, what I wear. I will not go out with friends at certain times if I feel uncomfortable, if I feel I've eaten too much, if I feel I don't look right. And it has a really big impact on my life. I think although I've moved on in terms of my thinking and it's not such an obsession, what I'd love to know is if there's another way to be, if there's a way to feel more confident with who I am, if there's a way to not hang out with those thoughts anymore, because it has a massive impact on me. I'm going to just ask you a question straight off. Do you believe there's a different way to be? There has to be. Because I see it with other people. Do you believe there is a different way to be? I do. So let's just take a really simple example of that. When you think, 
I'm not attractive enough, I need to lose weight. You know, it'll drive a certain behavior, exercising ridiculously and all the rest of it, yeah. You know that. Mm. What I know about your story is that whilst you're not ill in the way you were seriously ill in the past, you still choose to use your thinking energy to drive certain feelings. So just tell me a little bit about what you would do now, how you've been focusing your time and your thinking. So I think I do one of two things now, not in as an extreme way as I used to, but I either focus a lot of time and thinking around it. So I will have moments where it's, it's all I can think about, days where it's all I can think about. And I will have days where I choose to block that thinking. So I'll go, I don't need to think about that today. That's, that's a future issue. And I kind of swing between the two and neither resolves the problem. Because mm, blocking thinking never works. No. Never works. But the, I, I guess what's playing out for me is the challenge of going, I know it's my thinking. And I don't know how to st stop spending time with those thoughts. What I'm doing here is trying to help Laura put some distance between her and her thinking. I'm trying to help her see that whilst she can't stop thoughts popping into her head, she does have a choice about where she puts her energy, which thoughts she focuses on and the meaning she gives to things. I wanna ask you how important this is to you and what you will lose when you take away your activity of spending time with those thoughts. If I said to you, you could never think that way again in your future, I'm going to give you a pill right now and it, it'll take all that thinking away. How would that feel? It would feel like I could live my life as I want to and, sp and spend my time doing the things I want to do without worrying. Mm. It would change my whole life. So the habit, and all it is, by the way, is a thinking habit you've got into is stopping you truly engaging in actually what is quite a wonderful life you've created for yourself. So you've had the opportunity to address this in the past. You've had the opportunity to understand how thought works and, and to create new habits around it. But you haven't done it. Mm. Why not? I have a belief that I need to give it energy and time because I need to lose weight, because that needs to be my focus. I just have a belief that's yeah. how it is. So I'm going to question the fact that you want to get rid of this. Because mm. right now you're holding on to a belief that actually it's a job you need to do. It's You should be focusing on your weight and your exercise and in, in a quite an extreme way. I'm not talking about in a general way. I'm talking about in an extreme way. Now, I just want to remind you that a belief is not a truth. A belief is just a thought that we've bought into. And we know that to be true because if you'd grown up in a completely different country on the other side of the world, you would have a different set of beliefs. If you grew up with a different set of parents, went to a different school, worked in a different company, you would have a different set of beliefs. So all your belief set is, is thoughts you've bought into and thoughts that you believe to be true. So you've created them at some point in your life, you created a set of beliefs. And I'm going to make these up. I don't know if these are your beliefs, but something saying, I'm not slim enough. I'm not attractive enough. People won't like me unless I'm super skinny. 
um, you know, you'll have created a set of beliefs and you will be wearing those in your belief glasses. So when I talk about belief glasses, I want everybody to imagine those optician glasses that, that they have and they put multiple lenses in those glasses. I'm hoping that everybody listening has actually been to an optician's. But when you actually wear those glasses, they're quite heavy, aren't they? And you can feel all those lenses that they've put on your eyes. But our belief glasses are invisible to us. We carry them around. It's like they're stuck to our head. We can't see. And we believe what we think about the world is true because we can't see that those beliefs that we've carried with us all our lives are just creating our lens on the world. In knowing that, that you've created a set of beliefs, could you imagine a time in which you just either let them go because you know they're not truth created new ones that served you better because the beliefs that you've held have driven the kind of behavior that you don't want in your life mm-hmm. beliefs are just thinking thinking is driven feeling and feeling is driven behavior so you've been carrying thinking around with you that has repeated and repeated in different forms throughout your life so i guess my question is is are you prepared to let those beliefs go i would love to I really would love to. The challenge in my head is, but what if the belief is actually a truth? Mm. And that's, I I appreciate that my view on this is really distorted, that I have a lens. And part of me goes, what if it's the truth? What if the truth is that I do need to lose weight? Mm. And so I have a worry in letting that go that, that I end up at another extreme. This is a critical question for all of us who want to change a repeated behavior in our lives. Usually the behavior is driven by a set of beliefs that we hold very dear to us. They feel part of us in some way. And to get the change we want, we're actually going to have to let go of them. Seeing them for what they are and recognizing that they're not serving us anymore. In my mind, this is where so many people get caught out when they're trying to change something. Let me ask you another question then. What if I gave you the option to create a new belief around health and well-being? A belief that said, I want to eat healthily, exercise my body, look after myself so that I can live a healthy and vibrant life. So in letting go of one, I think we'll agree, unhealthy belief that's led to very unhealthy behaviours, you get the option to replace it with a belief that you know is 100% true. Mm. I want to live my life healthily and in a vibrant way. So how would that feel? It feels a lot more sensible. Does it feel scary to let go of the belief you've held so dear? Yeah. Yeah. What's that about? Because there's a real fight between wanting to let it go and believing in some way it served me well. Did it serve you well? No, and, and, and the ludicrous thing is I know that being seven stone didn't make me happy. It made me the least happy I'd been. But <laughs> when it's all you've ever known, that obsession, you, you can't see another way to be. So what I'm hearing in your language is a lot of absolute language. Mm. You can't see another way to be. Mm. I'm going to call bull on that. <laughs> Can you see another way to be? I know there's another way to be. I just can't see it. Ah, So you don't have a vision for it. No. So this is really interesting. Really interesting because it's also how the brain works. So 
if you spend time visualizing in your brain being one way, your your behavior, your thinking will be attracted towards that. So I, I'm really interested in this because I know we've had multiple conversations about this in the past. And actually, it's almost as if you are so set on holding on to your set of beliefs. But maybe it's because you don't have a vision for what good looks like. And maybe the starting point for you is just to go really deep into visualizing what is possible for you. To see yourself living in your wonderful new home with your beautiful new husband. See yourself living, eating, exercising in a healthy, balanced, vibrant way. Don't try and change any behavior right now, but actually focus your brain on creating the vision of the future. Because when we can see what's possible, we're literally, naturally, almost like magnetically pulled towards it. But when we see something else, we're pulled towards that. I'm really pleased we've hit on this because actually I think what's fascinating is what you've shown to yourself is you don't have a vision for what good looks like. So to change anything without a vision for what good looks like. So, you know, one of the things we talk about in Ivy House is the change model. And the change model is know it, see it, say it, do it. So actually what you and I have just explored is the know it phase. Knowing what what you've done, the habits, the thinking you've created. I've sort of taken you away from a bit and asked you to look back at it and go, is that healthy? Does that work? Is that what you want for the future of your life? Because quite frankly, there's nothing any of us can do if that's what you want for your life. You, you should just stick with it, quite honestly. But what I've heard you say is, no, that's absolutely not what I want for my life. But then what I heard you say is, but I can't see what something else looks like. And the next stage is see it. The next stage and change is not to go out and go and buy the gym kit and, you know, all of that stuff. The next stage is to spend a lot of time visualizing what healthy looks like, what balanced looks like, what vibrant looks like, what not obsessing about food looks and feels like. And put yourself in that state. So my homework for you, I do this. I do this every single morning and every single night. It is the most pleasurable homework you will ever have in your life. Is when you wake up in the morning or lie in bed or whatever it is for you, when you're walking the dog, whatever. I want you to play the movie of your life that you are creating in your head. Visualize it over and over again. And in doing that, because what's interesting about the brain is it doesn't know the difference between truth and visualization. If you are creating a movie in your head, your neural pathways are reorganizing themselves around that vision. You don't need to be doing it. You just need to play that film over and over and over and over and over again. And as you do that, it's very simple. For somebody like, for example, that has an anxiety about presenting in front of big groups, what they will normally do when I do my work with them, they'll be unknowingly playing a film of it going wrong. Oh, I'm going to stumble over this and this is going to be so embarrassing and da, da, da. What I ask them to do is visualize the film of them doing it brilliantly and feeling great at the end of it and literally play that over and over again so that you are creating those neural pathways in your brain. And that pre-programs yourself to move naturally into that. So what I want you to do is to imagine the perfect lunch, the perfect meal. I want you to imagine going out to dinner. I want you to imagine going out to dinner and what you're going to wear. And not when you're seven stone, but as you are now and feeling wonderful and energetic and able and confident to interact with everybody. Just do that part. 
and do it over and over and over again. And then you can move into say it, which is finding the belief system that are going to serve you better. Finding the belief is, I am perfectly able to live a healthy, vibrant life and accept myself no matter how I look and love myself no matter what. And then we move into doing. What we need to do is set you up for success. Does that sound helpful? Does that sound like the right route? Honestly, it's the first time it's made sense. And we've had this conversation a lot. And what I've gone is, I don't know how to move from thinking this way to doing something else. And what I've realized is I've never seen that I could have that life. Yeah. So for the next few weeks, months, I want you to just create that picture. I have I have the most wonderful times. So, so the wonderful time when I'm in bed <laughs> because I'm literally lying there and imagining my myself living in the south of France and living here, you know, have a great house there, a great house here, doing my work, doing my talks, doing my writing. And I've created that. I know that is going to happen. I've decorated every room in the house. You know, I see myself coming back to go and do a talk and be at a school or whatever it is. That's what I want you to do. Create the vision for what you want, what you actually want, and make that so solid in your head that the belief system is there. Because in doing that, you'll be creating the belief system. And then we can move to say it and do it. Okay? Yeah. That helpful. It felt way more helpful than any conversations we've had before because I feel like I know what to do. I felt like the conversations we had before was, well, that's just your thinking. And I'm going, yes, that's my thinking. And it's thinking that I've had for 32 years. And what if it's true? That's what I've kept saying. And, and, And actually, that doesn't matter. What I've just heard you say is, if you want there to be another way, picture what that is, and then create that life. And it's it's turned all of it on its head. Mm. And isn't that interesting how it took me so long to realise that the reason we weren't making progress because you weren't actually coming to me to ask for help. You were just telling me what, what was true for you. And me trying to help you without permission doesn't work. You need to enter into the learning space for me to be able to help you. And I think you need to realise there are some beliefs there. And the important thing about beliefs is not to try and dismantle them or or give them any real attention. What I don't want you to do is focusing on your old beliefs. What I want you to do when we get to it is to focus on your new beliefs. But first you need the picture. You need to see yourself exercising three times a week for 45 minutes, doing yoga a couple of weeks and eating you know, and having a piece of cake and enjoying it, not going, I can't believe I just had that again, Mm. you know. That's what you need. That's the first part. First is knowing it, really understanding that actually this isn't something that's afflicted you. This is just driven by the way you've been thinking about things. Your response to whatever event was going on for you at the time was to collect a set of thinking that drove the behavior you had. That's all that happened. I mean, it had quite bad consequences for you, but that is actually all that happened. So what we now need to do is is get you to create a picture so you know where you're going and then create a set of beliefs that support where you're going and then create a set of actions that support that. 
Thank you, Laura. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Now, of course, one of the things I always ask people to do is to write a letter to their 17-year-old self. So over to you. Dear Laura, first of all, your body is perfect. I know you think your stomach's too big, your legs too wide, but it is perfect. And you'll look back and realise that. So celebrate it now and stop letting it get in your way. Go out with your friends and stop comparing yourself to others because the truth is no one else cares. Be kinder to yourself. Celebrate who you are, what makes you stand out and what you're good at. And listen to the feedback that you're given, taking in the positive things people say and trust that people genuinely mean them. Let go of being perfect. Take risks, make mistakes. Don't say no because you're scared to do something and take every opportunity you're given. You might just find that the best things come from the things that happen not quite as you'd planned. Grades aren't everything and killing yourself revising, feeling overwhelmed and stressed and anxious does not help. Work hard, yes, revise of course, but letting it take over your life and spending every second stressing about your exams does not set you up for success. Although it might feel it at the time, not quite getting the grades you wanted isn't the end of the world. And in fact, in a few years time, no one will care what your results were. Most people don't know what they want to be or exactly what their dream job is, but here's what matters. Do what you love and what you're passionate about. Study something because you're interested in it and it makes your heart sing. It makes time fly, not because other people want you to. Life isn't a straight path, so follow your gut. Don't be afraid to change your mind and do more of what makes you happy and trust that that will lead you to the right life and career for you, jobs that you don't even know exist yet. Call your family and friends more, write to your grandparents, spend time with your family and friends every chance you get and tell them how much they mean to you. Don't be afraid to let people go. Friends will come and go in your life and that's okay. The real ones, the ones you could turn to for everything, will stay with you forever. Say sorry, sometimes you'll get things wrong, say the wrong thing, deal with things badly, but learn to apologise and do it sincerely. Finally, slow down and make time for yourself. It will make you a better friend, colleague and wife. It will allow you to be more present, calmer and happier. So go forward and enjoy your life, even the messy bits. Paint, read, explore new places, make time for your family and friends and create a life you love. It's the only shot at this you'll get, so you may as well make it spectacular. Thank you. I have a question for you. That was beautiful. When you wrote that, mm. did it make you think about the lessons for your life today? Mm. Massively. Because I think it's really easy in the, in a way that a friend can give you advice and, and you don't necessarily listen to it, mm. to give yourself advice and go, well, I'd say that to my 17-year-old self, but but there's, it's not the same as what I'd say to myself now. And, and I reread it at the weekend and I went, I'm not doing half of this stuff now. Mm. So that there was a, a lot of a lot of stuff at 17 that I wish I'd known. And I know it now. Now you know it. So yeah. so I need to make a conscious effort to look at these things because these things that were notes to my 17-year-old self are notes to my 32-year-old self. Mm. And probably will be to my 50-year-old self. But mm. if I can do all of that. I know I'll be living the right life for me. Thank you, Laura. I really, really love talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Extraordinary Unplugged, brought to you by Pixel, our wonderful sponsors, and Ivy House, a team on a mission to bring life-changing learning to students, teachers, and corporate organisations. If you know anyone that would benefit from this podcast, please share it. And to hear more, please subscribe. 
To find out more about Ivy House, you can visit us at ivyhouse.co.uk.